0: What is up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Combos Court. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that, subscribe, it Today's show is a recording for the B-Ball Breakdown YouTube channel. I share my insights on my time in Indianapolis at the All-Star Game. We also discuss Doc Rivers, Austin versus JJ, and more. Just a fantastic conversation with Coach Nick shouts to our sponsor, PrizePix, for a first deposit match up to $100. Use code COMBO. That's right. Use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100 on Picks Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. Picks. It's also a great way to support this podcast. So I'll leave a link in the show notes for that.
1: Let's get into it hey sports fans coach nick here and welcome to the b-ball breakdown live show coming at you on a wednesday this time a different day but same great content and always joined by as always joined by andrew combo Salop uh to discuss the latest in the nba and everything that you guys want to talk about as well don't forget the best way to get your questions answered is to do a super chat over on youtube we'll put the thing up on the screen we'll give you lots of love and hype it'll really help us get the lights going on this show and uh combo Thanks for uh, for getting here. but Back from uh, Indianapolis, huh?
0: Yeah, great times in Indy. I hear a lot of complaints all over the internet, but I have no complaints. I had a great time in Indy. Was in the building Saturday and Sunday. A lot of great events. Shouts to Google Pixel. Shouts to Wilson. Saw the movie uh, Finding Tony. So uh, AD had this private screening. That was really cool. Um, D-Wade had a nice event. D-Wade gifted everybody with Timberland boots. It, it was a great
1: time. Wow, so you got the VIP treatment, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, combo's yeah. VIP. You, break. You know the ad uh, screening of the of the movie sounds interesting. That how well, that
0: happen? a media member friend sent along an RSVP.
1: All yeah. right, yeah. Media member friend. All right. Well, it's, you're connected, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was great. It was really great times. Walked through the city of Indianapolis. The weird thing is, is there's a there's a bunch of sushi spots in Indianapolis. I, I have no idea why, but on every corner there's a sushi spot.
1: Wow. Well, I guess, you know, the, the Hoosiers like their sushi, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, maybe they get it from uh, Lake Michigan. I have no idea. But um, nonetheless, uh, great to hear anything else. Anything interesting that you, you heard, want to report about uh, that was it caught your eye, that was interesting yeah. about being there. I think a lot of people listening might not even, you know, be aware of all the things that go on in the round in the All-Star game.
0: I mean, like, I thought it was pretty fun. I know everybody complains about, you know, complained about the level of effort. In the all-star game but you know part of it was probably because I was really up close but it's basically like a live workout with a little bit of defense and it's still the best players in the world in my opinion and I got a lot from it just seeing those guys get up get up and down the court getting shots up getting into their moves I mean I would tell you Luka and and Jokic they they had no seriousness at all like they were totally joking around like it didn't mean anything to them Cat almost seemed like he was playing too hard. Like that guy was going, he looked like he was playing harder in the all-star game than he was in the playoffs. Oh. <laughs> and then Dame put on a show. I absolutely agreed that he, he should have been the all-star MVP. I know a lot of people saying Ty. I mean, partly because he hosted it, but you know, Dame put on a show.
1: I, th- I thought it was really fun. Wait, who won the MVP of the game? Dame. And he should have, from what I saw. Yeah, all yeah. right. I, I have to admit, I, you know, I, I watched a little bit. I saw a couple of highlights. I, I, I had a tweet that went a little viral about uh, seeing Luca, uh, shoot a sixty-five foot shot, and uh, you know, then they try to pretend like it was a two-for-one, and I'm like, you know, I, I'll just give you a gif of the uh, the guy spit-taking, uh, laughing because that just seems silly. Uh, it. By the way, the bromance between Jokic and Luca seems real. Uh, it was kind of fun to watch. I think that. that's been. I think that's been real, like since the bubble, or even maybe before then. Like they've yeah. been close. They've been close for a while now. Yeah, the the Balkans, uh, they have a, that that camaraderie from that area. So, right, uh, always nice to see. I mean, we Luca seems to connect to a lot of different players. I remember him and Trey Young were having a lot of fun, maybe last time as well, uh, and just sort of uh, he's the guy that people you know like to hang out with. and He doesn't take it
0: seriously. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, he smiles through the whole day straight. Like I I didn't see him not smiling once. Like whether he has the basketball, whether he does it, he's just constantly smiling. The guy's always smiling. I think the players love him. I feel like fans are like getting annoyed by him for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's him crying to the refs. Uh yeah, but the players definitely seem to get along with him.
1: Yeah, no, I would say the crying to the refs is something, maybe like the uh, instigating fouls and whatever, which I again think is a skill and not a, a thing to be criticizing, but um uh that might be part of it, but uh he's, you know, we 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 deserve this year like a, a definitive Luka playoff uh you know um experience. I feel like uh we had a little bit of that and I like to see some more, and it's 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 depressing when we don't get it. So, and that'll also help him cement more of this legacy of who he is because ab- he absolutely fills up the box score. It's insane. I gotta do a video on that probably pretty soon. But um, where were you sitting for the game? For Sunday, I was three rows behind the bench. Wow, look at you. Like all right, look at you high rolling. How do you know those are you just, just pulling out your bank account and then buying those tickets, huh? I did not pay for that. You did no, because you were a guest of somebody. I was a guest of somebody. Wow. Look, good for you. Good for you. I mean, I, I remember I went to the one in New York, and I'm still cold from that. Um, uh, I, I don't know if I could have handled it, was, it. it. It was definitely cold. If you don't like the cold,
0: you wouldn't have liked All-Star Weekend uh, this year. The thing is, like, I don't mind the cold. Like, I kind of like walking
1: in the cold. I'm built a little bit different, Coach Nick. Uh, you are. Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have a, an interesting question. Then would be, you know, should they just cancel the All Star Game? I mean, I couldn't believe I was staggered when I saw the final score. Uh, Two hundred twelve was the winning score. Um, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what you think. I was actually in the building in nineteen eighty-seven uh, in the Chicago All Star Game. I want to say eighty-seven. Or was, was, that
0: the, was that the one that kind of had like the stars and it was like kind of like um, USA colors? It was red, white, and blue
1: yeah yeah that was red white and blue uh things and there was an 88 uh and so i was yeah. at that one that was also a pretty good uh slam dunk contest as well i think Michael was in that one but the best one by the way i think was not the one in 87 when uh you can argue dominique got robbed after uh jordan mm-hmm. did the two uh free line free throw line dunks i'm pretty sure that's 87 what is happening
0: let's is just happened? let's just let's just power through
1: it's like it yeah it, it's been getting worse uh now um, but, uh, for those of you listening, uh, a bunch of balloons appeared all around my head and behind me too. That was kind of freaky. Um, at any rate, um, what I was going to say was the, the one in, I want to say Seattle the year before was the one between Dominique and Michael. That really was a great, uh, up there with as good as, uh, uh, Aaron Gordon and, um, Levine. So, um, at any rate, I was there and, you know, listen, they, it, it, they had fun back then, but they certainly played hard and they played defense and no one was worried about getting hurt. So what do you think? Should we cancel the all-star game or completely radically change it? What, what's going on?
0: I wouldn't. I might add some incentives to the um, winners. I think that could help maybe. Um, I don't know what that might be, but that could probably help. I would also remiss, be remiss. I know I'm changing the subject slightly, but the Sabrina Steph three-point contest, I mean, that was really awesome to see. And um, that was definitely a highlight of All star weekend I thought, you know, I was never a big fan of the skills challenge, but that was pretty cool as well. And then I thought the dunk contest was underrated. I think Mac jumps even higher now um than ever before. But I think the surprise factor isn't there. That's the difference. But, you know, I, I would not cancel it. I would just figure
1: out ways to tweak it. Uh fair enough. I mean, we did do the Elam ending, uh the last I love that. A lot of people yeah. don't. And that I did a video on that that seemed like that saved the All-Star game. And at the very least, yeah, it created pockets of more uh, of uh, competitiveness during the game. Right. Um, and that's, that's good. So I don't know why. They didn't do that this year, right?
0: No. And they didn't even give Nick Elam credit when
1: they did it. They didn't even say it was the Elam ending. Oh sure. really? All right. Yeah. Well, that's a problem too. So everyone should get the credit they deserve. Um, we do have a. Let's go to Jason Kelly here with a, our first super chat. Thank you so much, Jason, for kicking us off. Uh, really generous of you. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, he writes, "Thanks." Every other league's ratings are up. You've got owners selling, worried the league is in trouble. Why isn't the NBA growing like it should be? Hmm. This is a really, really interesting question. You know, here's the thing: you can't really compare like the NFL and the NBA. First of all, if you're going to talk about ratings, because Almost all the games are on a Sunday when no one's working. They plan their entire week around this event where you can go and you can tailgate and all those different kind of things. It, it, it'll never compare. There's only sixteen, or well, oh, sorry, there's more. There's seventeen games now, whatever they are, in mm-hmm. uh, the regular season. So there, there's like hardly any games. Um, it's geared more towards that kind of fan who works, you know, and and wants to, and and it's certainly a bigger fan base in some respects. So that's a thing where I don't think you can you can compare ratings like that. Now, if you want to compare like EuroLeague ratings and NBA ratings, whatever, and like how that works across continents, maybe. But um, what do you think? Do you think that the popularity of, of the NBA is waning?
0: I don't feel it, but I'm also in a basketball bubble. Yeah. So like I'm always having conversations. My timeline is just people who love basketball. I think the general fad would have more insight than even us, right? Like the general yeah. sports fan might know if they're more interested in basketball than before. They're less interested in basketball than before. I mean, are we sure that the other leagues ratings are up and the NBA's ratings are down? I feel like I hear people. some people say the ratings are up. Some people say the ratings are down. You know, this is like this is right up your wheelhouse, Coach Nick. You're actually the guy to dig into the numbers and see if this is actually true. Because I don't know if it's actually true, and often and shouts to sh- uh, Jason to the super chat. Often, when somebody says the science is or the numbers is, it doesn't always necessarily mean that's the absolute truth, right? Like you got to yeah. dig deeper into the numbers and the science.
1: So, I mean, obviously, every video I do is insight into what people want to see, what they want to watch, are they engaged, are they excited? Right. And uh, I, I will say that it does feel in in recent months or years, it, it's a little bit more of a crapshoot. And when it, there, the videos I thought would definitely get millions of views do terribly. And the ones that are kind of I didn't think would do great do really well. So it's been harder to predict on that end. And where and that might mean that we're in a state of flux where people are just sort of, you know, there. it's unclear to anybody exactly what the audience wants. Um, you know, certainly on the Twitter side, if you want to take that temperature, there, there seems to be a real clear issue with the refereeing. Uh, the way they're refereeing and the way the, the players are, quote unquote, like getting away with things. And that's turning people off no matter how much you try and explain why it's skill. Um, so that's something there that they, they might need to really look at. And uh, because, again, you might not get those fans back. Right. They, it's hard to convince them that, that it has changed or it's better. Or they want to watch it. So um, it, you hear the whispers about the ratings and then, you know, they're up. But, you know, now, but then they're up compared to, you know, what COVID was, which was a crater for a while. And the streaming stuff and the pirating stuff is all part of this. Um, and, you know, would they would they have a play-in tournament, which is a radical change to the way they do their regular season, if things were going great? What do you mean by that? Well, if things were going great, ratings were up, and there's no worries, whatever, then why would you add, a you know, an in-season tournament? I, know, mean, less. I mean,
0: I mean, what was the Warriors record when they added KD? I mean, just because you're doing great doesn't mean you don't try to get better.
1: Uh fair enough but that's a radical change. That's not a change on the margins. That's like, you know, a, a, a really uh interrupting the regular season schedule, some of these games that you know, the stats don't count. Whatever that was, I don't even know how they did that. Uh you know what I mean like having a big uh in in an in, in-season tournament. That's a that's a radical change. It's not I mean, the margins. Yeah, like, I mean they also
0: know. added like the gambling facet to the NBA more which I thought was really good and, and this was another thing. I I I really just maybe I'll just thinking almost too optimistically but i just feel like you always got to find ways
1: to get better no matter how good or bad things are going and you have to also worry about speaking like steph is you know the the singular stars that really captured our imaginations are now you know lebron and steph are going you know closer to the end of their careers yeah who are the people that are going to keep everybody in the seats you know is anthony edwards going to be that guy is it luca you know um you know that's that's an interesting Wemby,
0: Wemby will probably be the face eventually
1: yeah, Wemby as well. But so that's the next question. I mean, you know, th- there's always stars to come and replace the old stars. Um, but do they have the same magnetic personality and qualities that you'd want? Like, you know, that might not even be anything that anybody can control. But um, certainly, that seems to what be what captures a lot of people's imaginations from the general sense. Aside from the million or so diehards for each team, right? They're might not, might not might not even be in a million of them, right? Uh, each team might have. You know, some have a million, some have 50,000, some have 500,000, whatever it is, Uh, a real diehard fans are going to watch every kind of content you're going to imagine from them. Um, But that's that's an interesting question. And I I don't know the 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 war, uh, the owner selling is another interesting point. I just think that at some point in business, when you 10x your investment, like you just gotta, you know, you might as well get out. I think it's sort of what they're thinking versus the ratings. But it could very well be that they have things and numbers that we don't know. Um, and it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm always worried. It's a little bit of a worrisome thing. And so we'll have to see maybe how, like, the finals do this year. Um, and then year over year, are, is there growth from the, 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 the uh, where they had a big low point after around COVID? Uh, you know, are are they getting back to where they were before that, you know, in tw- like for 2017?
0: Overall, it feels like the game of basketball is growing. And as long as that's happening, I think the NBA will be OK.
1: Fair enough. Uh, you know, I was down in Buenos Aires and I was watching some basketball and seeing the level and the pro teams. Um, you know, it it, it it isn't that popular. Like the, the biggest, most popular pro team in Buenos Aires is, you know, the Boca Juniors. You know, their stadium, if you want to call it that, their home where they play home games, holds... 500 people, maybe, mm. you know. So it's not like they have arenas in other countries like that where, you know, people are going and, and 12,000 people show up to watch a game. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it, you have the soccer thing, uh, the football thing that's in uh, in the way internationally. And then you certainly have the NFL here, which is, uh, you know, takes away things. I'm glad that it's, the NFL season is finally over. Thank goodness. Let's all get on to watching basketball and coming back to my channel, please, uh, and watching more stuff. So, um, the NBA, you're right, might not be growing as much as it should be or could be. But I, the game of basketball is an interesting thing. I, I would imagine it's still growing. Yeah, it feels like it. It feels yeah. like,
0: I mean, just over, like, there's always going to be peaks and valleys, right? But Coach Dick, you've been involved with basketball for a long time. How much bigger is it now? Like, if you take an elevated perspective, how much bigger is it now than when you first got into the sport?
1: Uh, that, You know, I'm sure it's a lot bigger. It, it is. Right, um, right. No question. Uh, But it's also hard to measure to some degree. Right. I mean, I guess you can try and measure, you know, youth leagues and participation numbers and all those kind of things. Um, You know, and it's also interesting because we're in a new era where people are learning how to do more and more skills in earlier and earlier age. Dunking, for instance, used to be a huge deal. If anybody dunked in a high school, like even if we were practicing or screwing around, that was like a cause for everyone losing their minds, even in the 2000s. But now, right, the way they're training, everyone can, a lot more people can dunk, I guess, and the game just more dunks. It doesn't have that same um, passion, you know, response. And by the way, three pointers is even more so that way. Threes were like a real exciting exclamation point on an end of a run in the, you know, the 90s. And now it's, they're so commonplace, we barely, you know, clap our hands on, on a made three.
0: Yeah. I mean, Steph Curry analytics, the European style of play, that's all had a major influence on how many threes we shoot in the modern NBA. And, you know, uh, maybe there needs to be more balance, but I feel like there's a trend back to guys getting in the mid-range more than a, maybe a couple years ago. Like the spot up mid-range is dead, but the league's best players still have to get in there and, and hit the mid-range shot. So, I mean, some teams have a healthier shot profile than others, but I could see it being a concern.
1: Yeah, and, and by the way, uh, maybe people cheer for the mid range now more. <laughs> I, I certainly get off my chair when I see a shot fake, one dribble, pull up from eighteen. That's exciting to me, uh, since we never see that anymore. You must but, like Devin. You uh, must like Devin Booker, then he does a lot of that. He does a lot of that. I don't know how much. Uh, uh, like, am I really into his game? Um, you know, I don't know. Does he leave me a little bit empty? I feel like maybe a little bit, and I can't. I'm not I even you're, figure out why. I, I mean, he's a great
0: player, but I definitely see what you're saying as well
1: like he's, he's a player, but is he, he like what what where is he ranked what number would no be?
0: he's not like he's not in the level of like the Jokic's in terms of like being the next face or anything like that like the Jokic's the Lukas the Wemby's or even the SGA's like man the way like watching SGA this past weekend he just moves different like there's something different about him and I don't really see that with Devin Booker obviously Devin Booker's super skilled and he's an elite NBA talent but SGA is like when you're watching SGA, it's like you've never really seen anything quite
1: like this before. Uh, I hear you. Well, he's so shifty and so like yeah. explosive isn't even the right word, right? It's quick. It's just like the cat like quickness <laughs> that he's got. And uh, it's, yeah. And,
0: and uh, dexterity, like yeah. the way he moves his body.
1: Uh, Booker is averaging a career high in assists this year. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Um, somebody got it. Somebody got to pass the ball. I mean, you're right. I guess (laughs) Um, I got to do a Phoenix video, I think. Right. Do people want to see? Let me know in the comments if you want to see a Phoenix video. I got to do an OKC video. I want to do that. Cleveland, you know, has quietly, I think kind of quietly won 18 in the last 20 games. Why don't you
0: just do a video on how SGA scores?
1: OK. Oh, versus just OKC in general?
0: No. Just like how SGA scores the basketball, don't you think people find that interesting? How it's yeah, different. I, I how, how it's how it's different than other stars.
1: Um, listen, I will make any piece of content that I feel like people want to watch, and if that's what people want to watch, let me know in the well, comments. Well, section. comment
0: section does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, I don't, I don't. I never see the comments.
1: If you want to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, Shea Gil just just by himself and how he scores a breakdown. Those are always fun to do versus like maybe the entire team. Jalen oh, Williams God. needs hype though. He needs the hype. He's not getting it. Come. All right. Well, you start with SGA. Jalen Williams will come. All right. I mean, listen, the, the whole team is playing really well. They, they, they should have you know something, but maybe we'll see. What I think I'm discovering in the pick and roll video I just did, which I thought was terrific, it was uh, the top three pick and roll pairings and why. Um, I, I think that maybe people don't like when I do cross teams, you know, more than one got, team in the video.
0: I got a question for you. Do you feel like videos do better when it's a unique topic or when it's a trendy topic?
1: Well, I think it, it, the trending topics, if you hit it at the right time, are the ones that do better. So, like, for okay. instance, I did one on, oh, my goodness, I forgot what it was. And, and it was like a day late. I was really busy that that first day after whatever happened. I'll look it up in a second. And, um, and it did okay, but it should have been huge. And I think it was probably because I missed the window. Now – Look at like the thing like Adrian Griffin, unfortunately, being fired. And when I do a video on a coach get uh, coaching gets fired, and I get that done pretty quick, those always do maybe the best of all the things, right? It's a timely maybe, thing. Maybe it's because a, people want to know. Maybe, maybe because it fits the brand. You are Coach Nick. You're talking about a coach. I mean, that's probably it too. It's like you know, Adrian Griffin that's, was kind of shocking. So it was like, oh my god, what went wrong? Oh,
0: sp- speaking of that, we got a segue, right? To the Austin Rivers. We do. JJ yeah, Reddick. we
1: must have went out the segue. We're supposed to kind of just smoothly go right into it.
0: You're right. That so was un- that was unprofessional by that was unprofessional by combo. We're usually so doing? Good
1: about that. So anyhow. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like I'm a rookie to today. What's going on? Because Doc, uh, you know, was interviewed by Isola over on SiriusXM. Isola is it Isola or Isola? Isola, and
0: that's actually, you know what? I heard the JJ take. I heard the Austin take. So fill me in on what Doc actually said.
1: Okay, I, you know what? I heard the doc part, only the little section, because there's a whole video thing I got to listen to. Maybe I'll do okay. it when I work out tomorrow. By the way, I've been kind of getting to the gym uh, you know, m- way more often. Than I discovered that's where you get all your podcasts listening in, right? I've been missing out on listening to more pods because I'm you know, not in the gym. Now I'm in the gym almost every day uh, for a solid 45 minutes or so. I get a good pod. Uh, anyway, but he was- Also, talking- also uh,
0: one last thing. Also, yeah. like I feel like my best ideas happen when I'm either taking a walk or working out.
1: Interesting. Okay. Um, now the thing with um, with uh, Doc, they'll start out with that. Was uh, so he's, he's being interviewed, and you can tell that he clearly is concerned about the appearance of him coming in for a month before Adrian Griffin got fired to consult, and then all of a sudden he's taking the job. Um, he kind of tried to provide cover for himself. And that's it, it, probably true where he tried to tell the owners, why are you doing this? Like they're in first place, first, or second place, whatever. They're winning a lot of games, or whatever. Uh, and then he said that the owner said, it's already done. He's fired. So we need we want you to do it. And then he's like, oh, reluctantly. OK, fine. I'll I'll take the job. Right. Like that's sort of what he was saying. Um, and you know, it wasn't great, you know, although I don't know if there was a great way to describe how this all went down that would make him look okay. Um, and meanwhile, then JJ who played for him for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, right. Uh, you know, really lights him on fire by pointing out the whole thing where he's never held himself accountable for anything. He's always throwing guys under the bus of which he just did. Um, in the video that I I shared about where, um, he talks about guys wanting to go to Cabo Early the day before and they lost to Memphis and it was a pretty bad showing. Um, you know, whether or not that's true, whether you felt like guys didn't play hard or whatever, it's not the place to be saying that kind of stuff in a post-game presser in the front of everybody, right? That that's that's not gonna help you uh, as a as a guy taking over in the middle of the year who's gotta get this thing turned around quickly. I'm even sure it's turning around because meanwhile they're now three and seven. So that was sort of the, what was going on in the Doc thing. And then, you know, it was nice of his son to step up to him and try and protect him or, or, or defend him.
0: He said, I mean, he was he basically said that Doc Rivers is his own man. I don't need to defend him. And then he defended him. And not only did he defend him, he started throwing shots at JJ, talking about how he's not the best defender. He's a shooter. He's a shooter. But, you know, he's not like Steph. You know, he, he can't really get off the dribble and get into his bag and shoot. Yeah. Um, he's not like clay he can't you know he's but i love you jj but i love you you right. know you're a Dookie. i love you but you can't really do this and you know we didn't we didn't oh, really yeah yeah we couldn't we couldn't really play you because of your defense but but anyway like he was like throwing these subtle shots at at jj and then jj on the other hand he he did seem a little bit too emotional like yeah there's yeah something going on right yeah 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 a little too emotional because you know It's good to get emotional on TV. I don't know about emotional, be passionate is the better word. It's good to be passionate, but to get overly emotional about a topic that you're supposed to be giving analysis on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little funny.
1: Well, we're getting into a weird territory here when he went off again about, you know, whether it's the player's job to educate uh, the, the fans or is it his job as a as a analyst now. Uh, there's something fr- there's a frustration bubbling in the background with no question uh, that there might be some stories that we don't know about. That was that early or some feelings that uh, JJ has from the Clippers days. Now, I did a video uh, not you know, a few months ago about Doc's Game 7 losses. Uh, that did quite well. People, again, another one of those things where he got fired and it was a big video. Um, and I analyzed all the Game 7s because I wanted to see if there was any kind of um, you know pattern here with the way they lose these games. He's lost more Game 7s than anybody else. He's been around longer than anybody else. That's kind of the reason why. But he's lost more 3-1 leads. There's, there's some interesting patterns. You don't want to be part of those, those clubs. And I, you know, was it a stretch what I came up with? Maybe, but at some point, because, you know, was it Doc's fault that you'd see some of the worst turnovers imaginable by his stars, right? It's the stars. They turn the ball over. But there's this, the one thing that seemed clear was that there's a moment in each of those games where they just mentally fall apart. And I've always felt like what Doc does is his histrionics and his, his sideline emotional outbursts at the refs and all that stuff, affects his players more than he even knows and he's never been able to control that very well and as a result it seems like the players feed off of that and they panic and they they struggle the same way in those in those high pressure moments not that you have to be like brad stevens who's like you know completely neo zen you know buddha out there but there is a sense of emotional calmness or or focus that you need to have that his certainly his players uh, with the Clippers, I know when I watched it pretty up close, uh, they they fed on that, and then it would it would lead to downfalls. So that's an issue, and I wonder, you know, if, if JJ will continue to elucidate. But I did forget that they're both Dukies. Interesting, Austin and um, and JJ. They did not play together, did they? No, nah, JJ's older. He's much older, right? Is He's he not older.
0: older? He's older. Yeah, He's definitely older. So
1: there wasn't any, but he played four years. Maybe I mean, no, no, Austin played one year. Oh, is that right? All right, yeah. By the way, Austin's going to be one of those interesting conundrums where he was so uh, touted and then struggled to really find himself at all in the NBA, right? No, he I mean, he had a pretty long NBA career. I mean,
0: from what I hear from what I hear from people around the NBA, is he's not the most likable guy uh yeah. for coaches. I don't think coaches really like coaching him from what I hear. Maybe I I, mean, I don't
1: yeah. know. Is uh, Austin is 8 thing? years younger by the way. He's way younger. So Yeah, yeah. Um well you know it's funny i actually uh got on the court with austin rivers uh, a long time ago Mm -hmm. and um and it was by the way nice enough to do it he showed us and by the way you should go watch it because it's a great move that i don't even know if anybody does it's like a through the legs uh jab step thing that i hadn't really seen this is probably 2012 or something like that when he when he showed it to me um and we also know that he didn't have much of a relationship with his dad for a while so it's interesting that he's he's now defending him and coming to his his uh, to his rescue there, whatever what he's doing. But whenever uh,
0: whenever he defends him, he says he's not defending him and then he defends
1: him, yeah. It, there's a lot, a lot of there's a lot of things going on that we don't know that are in the background. We have to at some point I maybe, mean, that Clippers
0: situation was very convoluted with a lot of stuff going on, right? There was always some kind of drama there. You know the chris paul the docs there's always a lot going on there
1: yeah well we have another super chat to add to this and we have pookie with a huge um a huge super chat. thank you (laughs) give you a little that did you hear that did you hear that what i just did the the horn air horn yeah that was pretty cool all right sometimes i'm not not positive it works and it sounds right but you can All right. Thank you so much, Pookie. This is really, really generous of you um, for the super chat. Wow. Uh, and, and you know, again, thank you for helping us be part of the show and then keep the show going. Uh, why is there such a stark difference in how folks talk about Trey Young versus Luca when they have identical stats outside of rebounding? Luca is viewed as a Hall of Famer versus Trey who can barely make the all-star team. That's an interesting question. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Thanks for the super chat, Pookie. Um, I think Trey is greatly underappreciated as a basketball player. So I would agree there with where I think Pookie's trying to get at. I just think Luca is clearly better at the same time. Um, both guys, both guys have really propelled their teams to win playoff series, and Luca brought a team all the way to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, they do it in the biggest moments. Yeah, yeah. They, they do it. exactly. Exactly. So I mean they do it in the biggest moments, but Trey is greatly underappreciated what he could do at his size with not having the most eye-popping athleticism. Obviously, he's super quick. I mean, in the best league in the world, is just remarkable. One of the best passers in the league, one of the best scorers in the league. He he's a fantastic talent. I would also say there's he's absolutely non-existent on the defensive side, which causes some problems as well. Lucas not the greatest defender, but you know, he's just a lot bigger, which always helps. I, I think that's a big distinct dis, distinguishable factor. Distinguishable. Is
1: that, is that, yeah, um, distinguishing yeah, factor I, on that, that side, but you know, and and um, you know, it's interesting. It could be markets, although you know, Dallas is not like that much bigger. I mean, market.
0: Coach Nick Luca's is clearly the better player, right?
1: Luca is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and by the way, it could very well be the intangible of him being six eight. Yeah, right? that, that makes all the difference, you know. And that's not because you're right. They oh, they have oh, now. And that said, you know, Luca is shooting forty nine percent overall. I wanted to look at that real quick because I'm a little bit concerned sometimes with with Trey's shot selection. So Trey is shooting forty two point seven percent overall field goal, um, and you know, let's see, and that, and forty seven point six from two, whereas Luca is fifty eight percent from two, and that's a that's a big difference. And that that tends to you know, and it also indicates why he's scoring at thirty four a game, you know, versus. Trey's 27, maybe is what he had. What is he at? 26.7. Right. So that's that's a, you know, there's a little bit of a level to that as well. But um, but I, I hear you. Um, so I, I think that that's sort of why, right? I mean, Luca is better, Luca does have um, you know, some intangibles that help him, but um, I don't know. Trey Young would have to end up uh winning even more games, his teams, you know, to really unfortunately get maybe that more respect. Uh, but you're right. It sh- he should get more just because he is literally, you know, six one in shoes um, and, and being able and not very athletic uh, and being able. I mean, I mean, he's quick, but he's not. He doesn't, you know, he's not that yeah. strong. Or, or, not. Or, I mean, he's exactly. vertically challenged.
0: Not that tall. And doesn't jump high.
1: Yeah. And so let's see here. What's, what's Atlanta's record, real quick? I want to. See. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's another thing. I mean, Luke is a, a lot more efficient, right? Yeah. You know, Atlanta's I mean, really they really both they both have the ability to put the other team's heart in their pocket. I'll give them that. I mean, both yeah. of them could do that.
1: I was really excited about the possibilities of Trey taking that arc when they got, they got to the conference finals and looked like, OK, let's propel them into you know a really nice team. And they got really good coaching. All those things were sort of building. Um, and then it kind of fell apart. And it, that could be partly because of Trey and maybe the John Collins, Trey Young thing, uh, you know, became a problem. And they traded John Collins. Um, you know, I don't know if they thought ultimately, that was the best idea, although Collins has ended up being, you know, pretty much the same or maybe a little less than he was in Utah. But I mean, there was a moment where he was scoring, you know, twenty points, getting ten rebounds, shooting forty percent from three. You know, the prototype, prototypical, uh, you know, four. Uh, and he and he could play in that playoff run. He played good defense, um, and I, it's just too bad. I wish they could have figured out a way to kind of continue that that arc uh, and, uh, and 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 win more. That would help. Now, Luca hasn't won that much either, right? His teams have been up and down, so um, yeah. it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting question, and I, I I don't know the answer other than. Um, there must be a bit more of a magnetic personality part of Luca's game too. Yeah. I mean, Luca, we talked about it a little bit already. I mean, I think
0: when you have nine inches on a guy, it matters. That matters, right? Like he's six, eight. So uh, I think we haven't seen a lot of players that trace so, and Becky haven't talked about this when it comes to Jalen Brunson. Like we haven't seen a lot of teams where your best, your A one player, your one, a player, if you want to call it is like six, two or under, you know? Yeah. So,
1: that's another point there it goes but uh, the winning would definitely do it uh, for Trey. if they can just get a little bit better team around him and figure some things out um i think that he could get back in that conversation and we would we would you know love him even more that said he's also you know shot selection from 3 has always kept that that percentage down whereas you know the audacity of steph is it, it wouldn't work if he shot 37% from 3 he you know steph needed to shoot 43 44 45% right to really capture our imaginations And that's where you know Trey doesn't quite get there, and he's taking a lot this year. So, Uh, but he's not bad. He's you know maybe a little bit above average, Uh, but that's not going to get you in that conversation, unfortunately. But um, you know, I I think in pass for pass, the the who's better at passing? Luca.
0: I mean, Trey's a great passer, amazing passer, but I think Luca's better. Okay, how do you rate
1: that? I guess just vision and
0: I just, yeah, I think you know they both hold the ball a lot. By the way, like that's what criticism you could say about them, but. They're both super talented. I just think Luka, um, he makes passes that nobody else could make outside of Jokic. Like, he makes ridiculous passes sometimes. I think, actually, probably Trey's the best lob passer in the NBA, though, even though Luca's a great lob passer as well. Trey's a fantastic lob passer. And he's also Wait. the best
1: floater shooter in the league. Yeah, and he leverages that floater for the lob often. Exactly. So you can't tell which is which. Uh, yeah, so those, those right. are all things that uh, he – you know, maybe someone will do a video about him. Uh, and remind us all of, uh, of the Trey Young experience, but uh, all right, maybe, that, maybe that's Coach Nick. Maybe that is. If only there was somebody who could do that. Uh, K- oh, I forgot how he pronounced his name. He told me, I think, at some point, they Caius, uh, K- K- Caius. K-, K-, K, tell me how it is, and I'll nail it in the comments. Uh, K- Kajani. So forgive me, Case. Uh, Case. Let's go with Case, uh, and then he'll correct me. They'll correct me. Uh, thoughts on the Kings. Can they make a run in the second half? seen a lot of their, uh, seen a lot off there to know something is off with them. You know, case, I th- knew it. It's case. All right. Um, thank you. Great question. And um, the Kings, now the Kings have uh, one of the top pick and roll duos in the league, but do you know who the duo is?
0: I mean, I know Sabonis is probably in that duo and I'm guessing by the question, the way you're framing it, it's not Fox.
1: It is not Fox, which is fascinating. It's Malik Monk. You see how well I know you, Coach Nick. I know. I, listen, I you know I we I, I I serve them up, and then you you hit them out of the park. So there you go. Um, yes, uh, it is. It is Malik Monk. Who, by the way, I love Malik Monk's story. You know, a guy who was a little bit maligned. He, he was drafted high out of uh, Kentucky, right? Isn't that where he was mm-hmm. from? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it kind of was struggled, and then he got to the Lakers, and then had a nice run, and went went to um. Than the Kings from the Lakers, I think. Hornets, Hornets, Hornets. So the Hornets first, or he's from Hornets first, and then the Lakers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whatever. Anyway, the point being that he he like started to figure some things out and became a real bucket, like a guy that you really couldn't stop. Uh, so it's great to see, like he's really morphed even more into a ball handling, you know, uh, guard in the pick and roll with Sabonis. Um, so you you have all the elements you'd want uh, with the Kings. Uh, And they're doing fine. Let me check on the the standings real quick. Uh, They're doing fine. It's a good, you know, you beat the Kings, you know, you know, they're eighth right now in the West and they're 31 and 23. So this is a a level of um, prosperity. We haven't seen uh, too much of in recent years in Sacramento, but uh, you know, obviously the Sabonis thing to some degree is an issue defensively. It is
0: like, Sorry to cut you off, Coach. If it just feels like if you're going to beat the Nuggets, it can't be with a Nuggets style of play. Like, styles make fights, they say. And if you're just like the Nuggets but not as good, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat them. Like, as much as I don't like Phoenix in terms of them winning a championship, at least they're doing something different than the Nuggets, you know?
1: Interesting. Um, uh, Yeah, I just don't see them ever beating the Nuggets in a series. Yeah, I, I got to dig into the footage a little bit deeper to see. But, I, you know, in, in the past, what I remembered is, you know, if they're going to, you know, bank on Sabonis being the center. Right. Then that defensively, you're going to have some problems with that. Uh, you know, uh, you're always going to be sort of behind the eight ball. Now, the other thing is they have some nice complementary players. And I love Aaron Fox. I think he is a star. He, he could be, Yeah, you know, he's a potential all-star every year. It's, it's, cra- it's crazy he didn't make the all-star game this year, right? Yeah, I mean, listen. It's, oh, well, Sabonis is even crazier. Right, Sabonis so so bonus has been great. Yeah, I mean yeah. his numbers are, you know, le- points le- game, which is I think lower than than normal. That thirteen boards and eight assists, though eight he's, assists. He's, he's le- leading dimes. He's, the cool thing in the league, the monk, he's leading the league in rebounds. I think. Yeah. Well, the cool yeah. thing about the monk, um Sabonis pick and roll is that, and, and I wanted to add it into the video, and it was getting long. And I didn't, do it, but. Uh, th- they do things so much differently than the other three and the top three in the, of that, those pairings because the Kings will run action into the pick and roll. They have get side to side. They had some screening going so that the defense is now pulled apart. And then you hit him with a screen and roll. That's what makes it so dangerous. If you want to do it like the Bucks do a lot of, which is just like you know, fished and then they just run it right at the top, the defense is already set and they're in the way. Now it's a testament to how good um, Damian Lillard and Giannis are that they just dominate. It doesn't matter, right? They they can go right at to the teeth of the defense and get those shots and get those buckets. Um, but and by the way, interestingly enough, with the with the Bucks, you know what uh, Dame's scores are almost all threes and middies. He doesn't get to the basket when uh, Giannis hits the ball screens. Now he does get to the basket when Portis and Lopez at the ball screens. I don't know if you saw the video, but uh, it was pretty clear to me watching that is that Lopez and Portis take the man out, lay lay him out. They are run blocking uh, for Dame on those ball screens, uh, and Giannis does not do that. He's just not as his physical, I guess. Uh, he's not as thick. Like, maybe he's so long and long that they kind of can get around him more. That has to be. That has to be something that. You know,
0: Shaq even talked about how they have to like set everybody straight, right? Because all the blame's going to go to Dame Giannis or Doc, but that has to be communication between Dame and Giannis, right? Like how how Dame likes the screen set. Like there has to be open dialogue there. So
1: it, it would be nice, uh, you yeah. know, for them to know. Now that said, I I when, there were a couple times when he did finally get some some good contact on there and then Dame's getting the threes. So, you know, maybe the argument would just be like, you know, when he does do it, it's like the, you know, Dame is either you know, opting for the three. But when you look at the scores, it just it was kind of interesting and stark to me that like he was getting, uh, you know, he gets to the rim a lot more when those uh, those uh, the ball streaks are set in a way like you see Lopez do. But by the way, it could be a personality thing like, you know, Giannis is not Lopez. Lopez is, you know, more willing to probably like risk a foul to make a hard screen, I guess. And maybe uh, Giannis is not. That's another interesting point. Um, but it didn't, it's not holding them back. I mean, they certainly, they're the the third best pick and roll pairing, you know, by, you know, (laughs) than anybody in the league. So, uh, the only question then is, is like, would you want to have a few more easier scores out of that at the basket for Dane?
0: I think the Bucks floor is so high, right? Like everything hasn't been perfect for them, obviously this year, and they're still one of the best teams in the East. Yeah. There's obviously some things to figure out, but in my opinion, they're still legit title contenders i don't believe in any duo in the playoffs more in the east than dame and Giannis, and i i think they can be really dangerous in the
1: playoffs for sure and by the way chris has popped up in the um in the comments Shouts to chris you want to come on the show let me know chris in the comments we got about maybe you know a few more minutes left if you want to jump in for a quick segment let me know if you want i'll email you the link
0: chris has been uh chris has been helping me out with topics for one of my other shows so shouts to chris oh. Good yeah. for you. Maybe
1: you yeah. can help me out with some of my topics, too. Just, <laughs> speaking of which, I did a poll on Twitter and on um, uh, YouTube because I wanted to know people actually wanted to see a Caitlin Clark video um, versus the Cavs. W- would you be surprised at the results? Want to know what the results are? Tell me the results. The results are – and it, by the way, it's always interesting to compare the Twitter results with the, you know, the YouTube results. But the poll right now, and it's pretty much over, 806 votes uh, on Twitter – Caitlin Clark, uh, 66.1% want Caitlin Clark over the caps. I was, I'm shocked at that. Um, now the other one is, and keep an eye on Chris. Oh, oh, Chris can't come on. Okay. And then now that YouTube, uh, one, let's refresh this and see what we have here. You should be a lot more votes. Um, with the YouTube, there's 3000 votes and Caitlin Clark's at 59%. So I am shocked and delighted, uh, by the way. Um, so that, that, um, that you know, they people want to see Caitlin Clark. She deserves a lot of um, um, hype more hype than she's gotten, I guess. She just broke the record for all time scoring that Pete Maravich held. Um, ha- have you seen her play? Yeah, the way she gets her shot
0: off very quick, very efficient, just an absolute dynamo scorer. Um, one of the greatest scores in NCAA history. I guess one could argue the greatest scorer,
1: yeah, without question. And then what there, there's some ridiculousness about uh, well, let's see, um. Who said they didn't? Uh, Jay Williams, I think, got embroiled in something where he said she's not great yet. He needs to see more. But it was like, come on, man, you can say she's great without being, uh, you know, uh, without speaking out. Well, of what, terms. what
0: was the like? What was the what was the context? How I think can he was he...
1: trying to make it seem like she just needs. I need to see. You know, she needs to prove it more and longer, or whatever. But like, what else? Do you, she's been doing it for all these years. At like, the college what? level, at the college level, she needs to prove it more. I don't know. I listen. He deserves whatever he got on that one. Um, but here's the thing, I've been seeing this for years, you know, the women's game tends to be way behind in terms of the training and skill development than the men, unfortunately. And I'd go to watch WNBA games, uh, in the, even in like, you know, the distant past, and you'd see a lot of these former men players coaching the WNBA, and they're like, pound it inside, pound it inside. And you'd see these, these women who, you know, they don't elevate as high, you know, as men. And so the defenders can put their hands straight up, and a lot of them have long arms. And they're not going to elevate over that. And so these post-ups ended up being really hard and awkward shots that don't go in very much. Meanwhile, what they really have an advantage in are like are the jump shooting and shooting off the dribble and shooting from distance. And they wouldn't do it very much. And the three-point frequency in the WNBA is still criminally low. So it's really strange to me. And so I always felt like, gosh, if somebody could figure out how to get a, a couple of women to – elevate a little bit better train differently so they can elevate and then they can have more of a modern game. They're just going to destroy everybody. And Caitlin Clark is probably the, the, like the first prototype of that. We also have um, Beckers and uh, UNESCO and some of those uh, other women who uh, come in earlier than that, who, who are now playing like more of a modern game. Uh, I believe the Las Vegas aces won, you know, with a modern game of spreading the floor, shooting threes and getting the basket. So um, there's a lot to be mined there. And funnily enough, I found myself working with a couple of high level women players recently. and so all of a sudden maybe like maybe I'm, I'm the guy who could help you know drag more women into the more modern era um, you know versus and I think part of it is just the coaching. The coaching is caveman coaching at the, in the women's college level and even WNBA, it's kind of interesting. So um, if once that gets updated and modernized, I think we're going to see a lot better product and I think then I think people will really start flocking to it even more and WNBA will make even more money.
0: Yeah, so next year they're gonna do Steph and Clay. Um, well, that's not that hasn't been said yet. But they're gonna do. They might do this as a duo when it comes to Steph and Sabrina. So maybe I, that could. Maybe that could be Sabrina's um, partner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that could be fun. Um, now we don't know about Caitlyn Clark. Is she gonna come out? They give an extra year for COVID. Uh, and she can dictate oh. where she wants to get drafted, which okay. is uh, interesting. So I, I think it's wait, Caitlin can decide, uh, and then Beckers is coming back, I think for sure, which is they. But they could come out, um, you know. But here's the thing, that you know, these players can make three, four, five, six, ten million dollars a year in the in, you know doing this. So there's no incentive to jump to, jump to the WNBA yet. You know, they could just stay in college, have yeah. the whole college experience, and have it be a lot more chill. Um, and then, and make, is there, is there actually a chance that they can make more money or what? Oh yeah. Listen, the, the rookie salary for WNBA players is $75,000.
0: Right. Right. But I mean, does that increase their off the court money if they go to the WNBA or you think it's about uh, the same? You
1: think it's about the same. So I had this conversation earlier with somebody who's involved, uh, about that. Like, you know, you can expect that those deals that they have in college will then renew and and maybe even get more deals when they get to WNBA. So, yeah, they should be able to just sort of go right on and continue that influencer, uh, you know, position. Uh, That said, you know, does the college game at the women's level, you know, give them more uh, of a base to draw from? Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, I think, I guess, I guess we'll find out. It's still kind of new in that respect, but I would imagine that a lot of those deals just continue going on. So they'll make all that extra ancillary money. And it, you know, it, it, you think about it this way. If you're playing on a college team and you're the eighth man, you have a teammate who's making $3 million. Like that's an interesting dynamic that you have to deal with now as a team. And um, and so you got to figure out whether or not, you know, how that's going to work and how they're going to be jealousy is there going to be uh, are they going to be, uh, you know, uh, those players who have all the money, are they going to be uh, generous with it? Are they going to help their teammates out? You know, all those kind of things. I would I would imagine if you're getting up to the three million dollar a year uh, revenue on deals that, you, you know, you'd be wise to you know, set your teammates up and stuff like that with some some gear and some stuff and whatever. I think that would be a a smart thing to do. We have another super chat. Sumo Pockets 34, thank you so much, Sumo Pockets. Hey, guys, big fan. Can we get your thoughts on Kevin Ali taking over as Nets head coach and should they make a playoff push or develop the young talent? This is something no one's really talking about, right? Uh, Jacques Vaughn got fired uh, over the weekend. Uh, I imagine maybe you were probably around This is where the GMs and everyone's hanging out and and maybe talking SHIT about other people. Like, do you have any insight into what happened with the Nets and why they dismissed um, Vaughn? I think,
0: like, this is from my perspective. I just feel like that whole organization is cultureless and they have to really figure out what they're going to hang their hat on because it feels like they don't know who they are. Like, when you look at the Knicks, you know their two pillars are Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Like, they got that Nova Knicks vibe, right? Like, Villanova is, like, the culture there in a a lot of different ways. Um, These other teams with some homegrown talent, like like the Nuggets, like even, like, the Kings. I mean, Heat is all about culture. Spurs, even though they're terrible this year, it's all about culture. Like, the Nets, I feel like, you know, there's some pretty bad teams in the league, but the Nets might have the least culture in the league, and part of that is is that they're the second team in New York, kind of like the Clippers, even though the Clippers are playing great this year. But that's the word I think of when I think of the Nets cultureless. And it's unfortunate it came down to Jacques Vaughn. And obviously, Steve Nash had his problems there. And Jacques Vaughn, who I believe is a good coach, I don't know what else he could have done there. I don't know what differently he could have done there. I don't know why he was fired, but I don't even know. If, like, So I think any head coach, I think any coach coaching basketball wants an NBA head coaching job. But does Kevin Ali want the Nets to be his first coaching job? Obviously, he would take it. Right.
1: Like you're going to take a head coaching job, but I don't know if that's the place that head coaches want to be. Uh That's another interesting point. I mean, it sounds like when you go to a Brooklyn Nets game, it's not a home game at all. Like There's way more fans of right. the other teams, it sounds like, which is really sad. Right. Like that, that shouldn't happen.
0: Uh, Jacques jo- Vaughn seemed like he was like a really good person and a really good coach. So it's just
1: unfortunate. I don't yeah. know what he could have done. Yeah. And he's also considered like the smartest guy in the room, whatever room he's in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, been, he's not been able to get traction as a head coach uh, well enough. And, you know, maybe there's some issues with some playing time stuff. It didn't sound like anything, you know, and there's no real incentive for them to to win. Uh, I don't think, let me just check. I'm forgetting where they are right now. They're there. Um, the Brooklyn nets are, you know, just outside the play in um, a couple games, a couple two and a half games out, uh, you know, in 11th spot. So, I don't know. Um, you know, Kevin Ollie's is an interesting character as well because he had won a title of the Yukon, the second season, and then he gets fired unceremoniously. I and mean, then they had a couple of seasons where they couldn't sustain that. And then there was uh, you know, allegations of recruiting and whatnot. Probably most of the things that were the allegations are completely legal now. Right. So it's like literally one day to the next, suddenly all the things that were people getting in trouble for are, are legal. Um, But that is interesting. I I always found that interesting that Kevin Alley, so relatively so soon from winning a national title, got fired. Um, So I wonder what that's all about. But I suppose that as far as the coaching goes, uh, you know, he certainly seemed to be able to do that well. Um, You see, coaches
0: in the NBA win titles within the past two years to get fired. Like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. Um, Then he did a year in in, um, overtime elite which is an interesting program, well professional league for high school players and right. no he's yeah, I mean I I think it'd be a good look for the Nets. I think Kevin Ollie's a really smart basketball guy. So we'll see. And
1: Sean Marks might have to be a little bit concerned that he might not be around as general manager to hire the next coach either. Um, by the way, if they do bring in a new general manager in Kevin Ollie's gone. I I would have to say whenever a general manager comes in, they want to bring in their own guy, their own coach. So that would be one thing I'd look for. Uh, I, don't, I don't, I mean, Sean Marks has, has a good reputation and has been pretty shrewd with some of the moves they've made. So um, it's not like, uh, you know, he should be, should feel pretty good about his spot. Um, that said, you know, I don't know. I I would imagine the numbers are against Aldi taking over as permanent head coach. I feel like uh, it's way more often that the interims don't keep that job, right? Like that's that's generally what happens. But it it could. Um, so we'll see. Now, as far as should they continue to, to make a playoff push. Um, I got to look at the, um, the injury issues because I feel like fully healthy. Yes. They should make a playoff push. And I, I know I'm, I'm blanking right now on whether or not they have everybody. Um, do you, what's the story there? Do you know? No, they're not. Yeah.
0: I think they're stuck in
1: purgatory. First of all, but how about Mark Jackson as the head
0: coach, New York city guy? Um,
1: I don't know. That's all. I don't know. I don't know. Eh. I think he got his shot. I think uh, maybe didn't go so well, and and maybe I don't know. But uh, let, let's get to the next super chat, Martin Jose. Thank you, Martin, friend of the uh, breakdown uh, for the super chat. Thoughts on Nets firing uh, head coach Jacques Vaughn. So we, I kind of we did kind of cover that again as far as our thoughts. Uh, it, I just think it was strange. Uh, I, I can't quite figure that out exactly why uh, it, it had to happen, and, and then um, o- only in the sense that maybe. Um, Guys started talking. Like, you know, you got to be worried as a coach when all the GMs are oh, yes. and they're talking stuff around the All Star game and then poof, they make a decision.
0: So I heard something about like some of the players being upset that they were trying to revolve things around Ben Simmons or cool. something to that effect.
1: Oh, I had not heard that. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I had heard maybe some playing time stuff about um, Cam Thomas um and that kind of thing and there was a clash between like his role with the, what the ownership wanted and what you know the coach wanted i don't know
0: i mean if cam thomas is the reason you're getting fired no
1: no offense to him he's a great scorer but that yeah. should be the
0: reason why you're getting fired because cam, cam thomas is upset
1: yeah well or it could have been more like the owners wanted more cam thomas and he didn't want to give him more to playing time cam thomas is a excellent score it's just the other parts of his game yeah, I mean, listen, he gets those shots up. He does. It may not be as efficient as you'd like, uh, but yeah. he gets them up. Yeah. Um, all right, we have uh, a few more. Cliffside, thank you so much, Cliffside. Really, really generous of you. Are there any teams on the collegiate level that implement your chase defense system yet? I'd love to see how it works in real games. Yes, you can watch Queens College in, in New York, Division 2 They're running it a lot uh, off the top of my head right now. I, I've done so many Zooms with so many uh, teams, probably mostly high school. Uh, but, well, I'll prepare something and I'll put it out there. Um, I got to check. Someone was telling me that maybe the Heat were doing something like that the other day against the Celtics. And I, I, I fired the clips up and I have to go through them carefully um, to see. How's uh, it been
0: How's it been with Queens? Have you seen, like, they sent you yeah, some videos?
1: It goes pretty well. There, I, you know, I think that there's a bit of a struggle to adopt it completely and get all the way behind. So, um, you know, but even when they don't and they still playing, like, sideways to it, like, it's still confusing to the offense and they still, you know, freeze. So uh, it's going pretty well. I will say there are times when uh, all the coaches will say stuff like, you know, like they might, you know, put their head in their hands and say, that's not working. We gave up like two, uh, two wide open threes and a layup. But when you look at it, it was over the course of like 14 possessions, which is like 0. .6 points per session, which is a completely uh, elite level uh, defensive. So you're uh, saying they're not, you're saying the coaches aren't buying all the way in. Well, it feels bad when you give up a couple threes and a layup. But when you look at it in the context of how many possessions you ran it for, it's no big deal. Like you know, you got stops think, on all yeah. the other possessions. So
0: I think no matter what you're running,
1: you have to give it a little bit of a sample size to see if it works or not. Right? Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You have to like, keep keep stick with it longer and you'll go. So we'll see. I, I uh, all the coaches are involved in a uh, Discord we have, and we're we're slowly getting people to get uh, to start contributing more of their clips. So I'll I'll put a focus on it probably right when the seasons are over in the next like couple of weeks, uh, and coaches will have time. I'll make sure to reach out to everybody, get some good clips put it all together and come up with another video and then uh, make another push for, you know, the next year. So there we go. So thank you, Cliffside. Great question. I really appreciate that. that. And, um, and uh appreciate you uh, combo for being here. Anytime coach, Dick, we'll get it done again next week. All right. Sounds good. We'll probably be back on our usual Mondays. So don't miss that. And uh, please go watch the video from last time. The, the pick and roll video. It'd be nice if we can get some more, some more views on that one, if you don't mind. And uh, don't forget sports fans of B-Ball Breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? Yes, sir! There it was. Another episode of Combo's Court is in
0: the books. Big shouts to Coach Nick and shouts to our sponsor, Prize Picks for a first deposit match up to $100. Use code COMBO. That's right. Use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. It's also a great way to support this Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. And be on the lookout for episode 561. Combo out.